guys, welcome back to Having a Gab. Um, this is a very special episode and the first or the pre-episode, the episode zero in a uh, mini-series called Badass Women from Art History. So I decided to start this mini-series off with this special um, about contemporary female artists, the Gorilla Girls, who are arguably, and in my opinion, one of the most badass female artists slash groups of all time. So next episode, which will be the official episode one of this mini-series, will be starting from the beginning of art history, think prehistoric or Neolithic period, all the way up to contemporary and current era. So the reason I chose the Gorilla Girls for our first oh, special ep is because they're a huge influence in why I decided to start this series all the way back in 2014 on Twitter. Um, you can read down the notes a little bit about that, um, but basically their performance art and their practice um, intentionally intercepted with activism, which resulted in a significant impact on exposing and highlighting the injustices in female versus male representation in the fine art world. So basically what I aim to do and am aiming to do with this mini series, um, they kind of started. So I guess we're better to start than here. Um, so the Gorilla Girls are basically like with this really awesome, well, they still are this really awesome, um, anonymous group of feminist female artists, um, so they formed in New York City in 1985, and um, their mission has consistently been bringing gender and racial inequality into focus within the greater arts community. So the group has employed this tactic called culture jamming, um, which is otherwise known as guerrilla communication. And it's this real like subversive tactic used to disrupt um, or subvert media culture. So essentially it's activism, and they did this in the form of art. Um, so they did it using, you know, posters, books, billboards, and public appearances or protests to expose this discrimination and corruption within the arts world. Um, and anonymity is a massive aspect to it, right? So, like, the need to conceal their identities, um, they did this using gorilla masks, and they still do it, and didn't refer to each other by their real names, using pseudonyms, um, usually of and based from uh, deceased female artists, such as Frida Kahlo, and et cetera. Um, the whole intention behind this was to maintain the focus on the issues they were tackling and not them as individuals. So like further asserting that real subversion of media. Um, yeah. And I mean, I read in the New York times this really awesome quote from the gorilla girls, um, when they were in interviewed based on like why they're anonymous, the work they do, et cetera. And they said, anonymous free speech is protected by the constitution. You'd be surprised what comes out of your mouth when you wear a mask, which I think is this like sick precursor to like contemporary internet society, the world that we live in now. I mean, they said this back in the eighties and look at, look where we are now. People, we have troll culture. People feel the need or feel, feel empowered to say what they really feel, no matter how good or bad it is because they're concealed by this mask being the computer. So, I mean, super interesting. That's super big overlap there. Um, so basically they formed in 1985 in response to an exhibition that MoMA was having that was titled an international survey of recent paintings and sculpture. Um, now, this exhibition had a roster of 165 artists, including just 13 women. Um, <laughs> to make it worse, the survey also claimed to be showing the era's most important painters and sculptors. And, you know, to, to build further on that overt bias, the proportion of artists of colour was even smaller, and none of them were women. So seven women came together and decided to protest in front of MoMA wearing gorilla masks, and that is how they started. The protest initially was super unsuccessful, and I mean, what can you expect? First go, you know, you get knocked down, get back up again, and that's what they did. 
they they didn't give up based on you know the, the perceived failure of this first protest. They continued to protest, continued to post you know wheat posters, and started creating this bold and unmissable protest art, expressing essentially their observations and concerns and ideals regarding numerous social topics, but primarily focused on females in the arts and, and racial inequality in the arts. Um, they did this really like effective and creative um, tactic, which was to weave facts and humor. So like you would look at their posters and I still do to this day and I laugh and I go, Oh my gosh, but it's like, I'm laughing, but I'm actually crying simultaneously because everything they're saying is true. And that's another massive thing. All of their work, all of their commentary, all of their discourse is based in fact, it's all fact driven and informed by the group's own data collection, which you can look into. It's super fascinating. It's called weenie counts. Um, yeah, so I mean, their work is permeated through activism, public commissions, film, politics, publications and exhibitions, and even ironically, some of their work is owned in a part of MoMA's collection, the very museum they were protesting against. So basically, they've come full circle. And since 1985, up until this day, the Guerrilla Girls have consistently worked for an increased awareness of sexism and greater accountability on the part of curators, art dealers, collectors, critics, everything. And they're still fighting the good fight, even today in 2020. I think, like, foundationally also, it's really important to commend the group um, and credit them, above all, with sparking dialogue. And they've brought national and international attention to issues of sexism and racism within the arts. So they, they, they you know, launched off this feminist movement that was created in the late 70s, late 60s, and catapulted it to a whole other level, basically. Um, so we can credit them with a lot of, a lot of the work that's, that's gone into giving female artists the credit they deserved. To round this all up and to sum it up all nicely, a work they're most famous for is Dearest Art Collector, 1986, which I highly recommend you Google right now. Um, I don't want to ruin it for you, so I'm not going to read to you what it says, but basically um, it was a poster in an edition of 30. I actually own one. Um, that means that there's 30 of the same print in existence slash circulation. Um, it was published in a portfolio entitled Gorilla Girls Talk Back, and the prints came in the form of a large handwritten letter on baby pink paper done really like feminine font, really cursive, lots of cutesy little, you know, overtly feminine themes um, and contrasting with the text itself, which go Google right now. Um, and, and it basically, you know, symbolizes the biting sarcasm for which the Gorilla Girls are already known for. Um, so it's called Dearest Art Collector 1986. Um, yeah, to, to like – I guess, reaffirm their point, they also sent this poster to well-known art collectors across the United States, pointing out how few works they own by women artists. And that brings us to the end. I hope you enjoyed this special ep, and I look forward to hanging out and talking more about badass female artists in the next episode. Bye!